0: Welcome to Economic Development Secrets, where economic developers from across the country spill their secrets to our host, Nicole D'Souza. You'll hear firsthand accounts from economic developers in the trenches, from what works to what doesn't work, how deals come together, or how deals go bad. You'll hear everyone's economic development secrets.
1: Welcome to Economic Development Secrets. This month's special guest is Nathan Tafoya, Executive Director of the La Mesa, Texas Economic Development Corporation. Nathan shares tips for economic developers in rural communities and draws upon his experience to share differences in economic development in New Mexico and Texas. Nathan attended the University of Arizona at Tucson and just recently celebrated his 10th year of working in the economic development field. Prior to working in La Mesa, Nathan worked at the Rio Rancho Economic Development Corporation and the New Mexico Economic Development Department. It's time to listen to Nathan's economic development secrets. Hi, Nathan. Thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Nice to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: So I hear that you presented at Western New Mexico University for their IEDC basic course. Can you tell us uh, what material you covered?
0: Yeah, absolutely so again i because i spent um 7 years um uh, starting out in research at rio rancho um they i was asked to come back and and just talk about the, the topic was researching your community and you know starting out with basic primary research um secondary research you know getting stuff uh, getting data from you know the census bureau how to how to Cultivate presentable data, um, and then you know teaching people how to you know what your research is for, how to how to present that to site selectors, how to present that to your community, how to present that in a proposal to a company, depending on you know what kind of what size company they are, if they have their own team, or if they're uh, you know if they're uh, using a site selector, and just and giving them all the tools, they and saying you know where you get. demographic data where you get uh, sati- uh, labor statistic data yeah I've been doing this for 10 years and 2017 is actually my 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 tenth year and when I started the I, the iPhone was barely was barely coming out the first one or like the year after that and I mean just how much has changed from how even the census Bureau has has disseminated information um it's been it's been amazing it's phenomenal the way they're you they even the, the the government provides interactive maps now i mean there's a way to, to cross reference data and you can really get some fantastic information on your community that um used to be in these huge volumes or these really clunky um html websites and that were just so dense with words and and numbers and sheets and and you know excel sheets you know that it was just really hard to cull through, and there's some really interesting and and really free third-party um, applications that I think economic developers can use to uh, to enhance their own websites. To uh, you know, there's there's programs that will grab you know the data for your community, put them automatically into an interactive graph that you can embed in your website. Um, that you know will automatically. Output into an infographic, um, and so it's just those types of things and knowing, you know, price points have even changed. Like the 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 growth of the internet, um, and I say the democratization of the internet, um, and and applications thereon have really <clears throat> allowed um, economic developers to really tell their story in a much better way than they used to because it used to be really expensive there used to be a lot of companies that thrived on being the sole source of data and now there's there are you know algorithms and robots that do a lot of that data that you know they that traditional companies had you know hundreds and thousands of employees trying to find this data and that was built into the cost of providing you that data now a robot as the internet you know has grown and as information is interconnected and you have big data, and you have programs to read big data and put it and funnel it into a really succinct um, format. I mean, that cost has been almost like like wiped out. And I remember one of the one of the organizations just for uh, demographic data in two thousand, man, uh, maybe ten ish. We had reproached them, um, Albuquerque, the Albuquerque research team, myself, and a regional group in the Albuquerque area had approached this group. And to get this application on our websites um, was like almost $40,000. And economic development traditionally um, uh, doesn't have, they usually don't have a lot of money. Any sort of EDO is usually doing a lot of uh, fundraising and trying to let people know how important they are to, you know, get financing and fundraising is always really important. And it's, that kind of uh, sticker uh, cost it was a sticker shock, I guess. it was It was so expensive and, and a, a deterrent, and that same company now offers that same data uh, at, at about $3,500, so 3,500 bucks compared to $40,000 in in a matter of about six years. And that kind of of uh, paradigm shift, I think, in resources and the internet and data and research um, really uh, lends it, makes, it should make Economic developers be constantly reevaluating how they gather data because it's cheaper. Um, you can do it in house now. If you do hire a research person, which I, you know, if you can, that's that's amazing, and you should um, pointing them to the right resources, making sure that they're they're up to date on all that is kind of around them um, to be able to provide data on your your community. And so, it, it the, the democratization of the internet has really uh, lowered prices for economic development, whether you're in, you know, what I would say, um, because I've done economic development in both, between Texas and New Mexico, those differences, um, you, while we have a better funding mechanism in Texas for fund economic development, um, it's also within reach for smaller communities or communities that don't have the same same type of uh, funding structures that Texas does for its economic development programs and organizations. So I mean, it, it, it's a everyone can participate and be competitive if um, they know how to research and how to because basically economic development is about sales. And if if you don't, if you're not telling people, if you don't know how to sell because you don't know have any data, um, you're gonna you're going to be hurt. And so uh, that that was uh, why. I. I was asked to <laughs> talk in Silver City to talk about research because I I'm not a data person. Um, but I kind of became one and I came to love it because I kind of was just thrown into it. So, and I I really do think it's important. And I I use those tools on our website. That's what I talked about.
1: That's really neat, and it sounds really interesting. I wish I could have heard that uh, that class. So, what kind of day to day research do you do in La Mesa?
0: For a smaller community, so Lamisa has a population of about 9,300 uh, folks. The research, your your changes in numbers are, aren't going to be as drastic year to year as they would be in, you know, say Dallas or San Antonio or Albuquerque where you have a, a larger influx of people, in migrations and out-migrations, so your demographics aren't changing as quickly. On a day-to-day basis, I wouldn't say I need to or do do a lot of uh, a day-to-day research here. What I, I do do is a lot of kind of one-on-one talking to to people to make sure I have a good finger on the on the pulse of the economy because you actually can have your finger very much on the pulse of your community in a, in a smaller community. You can't in a bigger city. You kind of have to rely on data. To tell you what is happening in your community, if you're, you know, your Albuquerque, your you know five six hundred thousand people, you can't talk to everyone. Even if it was all the business leaders, you can't talk to everyone. And you should have a business, you know, an R program where you have uh, some understanding and you're you're reaching out to them. But that, I mean, that doesn't talk tell you about schools. That doesn't tell you what's happening with hospitals, with healthcare, with you know your, some of your major major industry sectors. That doesn't tell you about. Um, So many different things. It doesn't tell you about your labor force, what's happening, what jobs are needed, what you know, what wages are. It doesn't, and so you really have to keep a a really good eye on, on, um, on that. And workforce is the paramount topic, you know, post um, recession, and and um, so you know, knowing what your high schools, you know, your your workforce pipeline, and your community colleges and your colleges are doing. And an offering, as, as far as education goes, um, and being able to tie that to employers, to target sectors, to target industries that you're going after, um, are, are really important. And those those are constantly changing. You know, they drop programs, they add programs. You know, they're getting their information. Um, from from somewhere and they're like oh we need to create this program we don't have enough people signing up for this so we're not doing this but you know maybe they're dropping nursing programs but the hospital's like saying you know we we're dying here um, we need more of these and, and we need, we need more phlebotomists we need you know more technicians in this area um, and just making sure those people are connected um, are much more in a bigger city in a smaller and I, I say that to go back to let me say I guess in a smaller community it's not stagnant but it's a it's a it's more of a uh, there's there's Less less uh, distance between the troughs and, the, and those those peaks, and so you're you're riding more of a straight line, and so I, when I came in came on, I just kind of employed and uh, a lot of the things that I knew from from a larger city made sure I incorporated a lot of that into our website, and um, went, from a community standpoint, I was working with the chamber. They had, you know, there was a lot of um, website. Issues that I saw, um, and so I I've, I've built websites myself. I've, I've been doing it, and that's one of the things I learned when, when I was in Rio Rancho. Is I, I started working on our own websites, and and um, so knowing hosting, you know, databases, and you know, a CMS, you know, is it mobile friendly? All those things I'm always kind of been interested in, and I have employed. So making sure those basic things were done in La Misa were more important to me probably than necessarily day-to-day research on on uh you know demographics or something because you know it's going to change 20 50 100 people i think i have a five-year population projection of an increase of about 123 people so that kind of gives you an idea it's there's not this these huge fluctuations um but it, it it's really resides on talking to to the farmers to the few major businesses and uh, not sessions if you but talking to the uh the businesses the, the larger employers in your community and figuring out what's going on and making sure all those people are tied together it doesn't become as data driven as it becomes as much as it becomes uh community integrating <laughs> in a smaller community that, that's what i've noticed
1: do you have any tips for doing economic development in rural communities
0: i would like to say this i think nationally you know i've seen on cnn money and forbes everyone's kind of talking about the the country could be divided into like major regions mega regions you know and so um we know from research and data that uh, there's a large influx into um larger populations urban areas and what is and obviously what that means for rural communities is that your future labor force um your existing labor force is disappearing and may not be there in the future, and so in my mind, I think it's all. We're also at a, at a really interesting crux in history in that there's still you can hack some of that urban trend with technology, and when I say that to say this that you there are there are programs and there are, there are businesses. Who don't necessarily need you to be in that community or in that office, you can telecommute. And so, if a community was had had great, uh, you know, telecom infrastructure, you know, they could participate from a, a job standpoint in those communities. So you still have a job working for a, a good company, and you and you're still able to have somebody who has expendable income, um, which would help, you know, when you're your retail and service sector within your community, and you're, you can still capture those people who don't necessarily want to move away. And I and you know we're we're working on a, a really interesting hack with one of my mentors out of out of Albuquerque actually, and the community economics uh, lab. It's a CE lab, community economics labs, uh, economics lab, and um, and uh, on on tapping on on tapping into that. And there are there are companies and there are pipelines uh, uh, of existing companies who are who who are looking specifically for people to do that. And if and there are companies who already kind of created that um, that connection. And you know, Lamisa is looking to be one of the first communities in in Texas to actually be able to provide the training and the jobs. Um, both W9 and uh, W2 jobs, part-time and full-time uh, jobs, working at, at companies that include names like IBM and U-Haul, and, um, but p- those jobs being here. And they're still exporting a service. They're still exporting a uh, pro- virtual product, I guess. And um, that's one way you can't stop the the tides of change, but you can flow with it. And you can uh, there are ways to, to ride that wave in your own way. and I think communities small rural communities especially should really focus on um, making themselves attract attractive and giving people a reason to stay and a, a reason to visit you know working on your uh, a lot of community development stuff. I've really had to shift gears and work on a lot of community projects like when I came here, housing is a huge issue that's not a, it's not necessarily a big. A crisis in an urban area, like an Albuquerque. I mean, people, you have the private sector taking care of that. They're they're building apartments, they're building duplexes, they're building houses, custom houses. In, in a rural area, you lose some of that, and and so you know we we were just awarded um, by the TDHCA um, credit, tax credits for an eighty-unit apartment complex, which is like so badly needed here. Um, you know, it's eleven point five million dollar project and you know, that's something I'm I'm like super proud of and super excited for this community to have. And um and it's those types of things working with your your hospitals and and getting those those small wins, those small projects, enabling housing so there's not deterioration and dilapidation and, and your your community living in, in, in horribly built or outdated homes. Those are humanitarian issues and, and thing and humanitarian issues that I think rural economic developers should address um, if they want to keep future um, Millennials and Generation Zs in their community.
1: Having done economic development in New Mexico and Texas, can you share with us how the different states approach economic development?
0: Money. The financial support. Texas is just... Amazing in in that and how they, they fund economic development from a constitutional standpoint and allows cities to um, set aside some of their uh, sales tax revenue To support an economic development organization. I mean it says a lot about a community that's willing to vote that in um, From a business standpoint, you know, they're saying hey, we're willing to give up our our taxes to be able to bring a company your company here and it's it's honestly um, the support I know other other communities and states Texas is just kind of a Texas is a uh, an envy I think of a, of a lot of states there are other a few other states doing really well and have have some really um, uh, interesting ways of doing economic development but in I would say for the majority of the us man Texas is is the uh, is the goal it's the shining star it's the it's the one you want to be in and, and Texas is doing it right so I I would say funding um, and know uh, yeah, I, I don't I've talked to a few folks here and you know a few folks who have some of my colleagues who are are new to economic development and maybe we're like the same age and same age range and I'm, I try to explain to them like you don't understand like in other communities like you literally spend Five six months out of a twelve month you know year like fundraising and trying to get people to you're just always selling and trying to say, hey please this is why we're important this is what we're doing please would you donate to uh, or you know give some money and it, it that that is a horrible way to do economic development it's 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 a sad way I, I think and unfortunately it's something a lot of people have to contend with and a lot of communities and a lot of economic developers um, have to face every day it's something they have to wake up to. And, and fight for funding for themselves, for their staff, for their programs. Um, and Texas just does a phenomenal job of taking that pressure out so you can just focus and be successful. And I think that's one reason why it's so successful is their economic developers aren't fundraising. They're, they're doing economic development.
1: Well, can you tell us about one project that you are most proud of?
0: Um other than the one uh that has yet to break ground, but the eleven point five million dollar uh, um housing project we were just awarded last month. Um I'd say just because I was so new to it, I think maybe about my second or third year at Rio Rancho, um we I'd gotten a lead from the state um uh, for a, a customer service center. Um, you know, a call center. And uh, you know, inbound calls, um, you know, they, they needed a lot of space and uh, you know it was I'm trying to think I think it was like project sigma right it comes under these code names and you know I wrote our response from Rio Ranjo and you know it turns out they came back for uh, they came back with wanting more information then they came back again and then all of a sudden we were getting a site visit and you know and it turned out to be Hewlett Packard and you know, I didn't realize when I was writing this, uh, this proposal that it was a Fortune, you know, I think at the time, Fortune 11 company, and, you know, they were going to be hiring, you know, 1,300 to 1,800 uh, employees. Um, they were going to be putting one of two in, uh, mega computers kind of in the world for their enterprise clients and, and building this Class A facility, um, you know when this was built in Rio Rancho, it was you know it's a two story two hundred and eighteen thousand square feet. Um, you know they had their own dry cleaning services, they had their own gym, their own cafeteria inside this building. I mean it was it was almost google ish and you know something in New Mexico, and you know it just I remember people I knew um, getting jobs there, um, both you know much older than me. Um, some people uh, coming out of college, and it was just amazing, and it really made me understand the power of of job creation. You know, when people you know are who lost their jobs are able to be employed, take care of their families, and that's that's economic development. And you know, that was just fun, and you know, those deals don't come all along very often. Um, but you know that w- that was just a great feeling and a great great opportunity and a great experience.
1: That sounds like such a great project and a project that you can learn a lot from too. So very very. Well, just,
0: what what helped me learn a lot about it is my my boss Noreen Scott, um, who's a an economic a uh, uh, certified economic developer, um, and sits on the sat on the IIDC board. Um, you know she was. Her style of leadership was such that, you know, she allowed me to be and to participate in those meetings with, you know, your your top executives, your decision makers at Hewlett Packard, you know, and the city manager and the mayor and you know, planning and zoning and just hearing how you get this multiple T1 lines and 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 Just this from an infrastructure standpoint, the water and everything about it was just so interesting. How they negotiated the incentives and the clawbacks and um, was just really eye opening. And, you know, my entire tenure, I think, at Enria Ranch, it was like that. And I I sincerely appreciate that style of leadership. Um, And she didn't, she wasn't threatened by anybody coming up behind her and taking her job. She was like full exposure. And, that's what made it so enriching
1: that's great well i have a couple of wrap up questions for you nathan um the first is what motivates you what gets you up in the morning
0: my family <laughs> um my kids i got a I got a little boy a little girl all under 4 i got one one on the way um you know my wife I, I want to take care of my family you know obviously but uh you know from a professional standpoint um what i love about my job is how rewarding it is i love being uh, a kind of public servant that doesn't have to necessarily be inside of city hall and be so and be like surrounded by some of the red tape and the bureaucracy that comes with government and being in a quasi government um still a public entity um, uh and being kind of a liaison between um the government and private the private sector is so much fun it's i love i love that my job is to create jobs i love that my job is to raise the quality of life for for my community any community i'm working in and like what job can you say you just, your job that you're having that kind of effect on people and and your community it's It's personally rewarding, and um, my job helps makes me get up in the morning. And you know, I I, uh, I know I mentioned this before, but I actually went back to get my my MBA because you know my my previous mentor allowed me to see the the other side, I guess, to see behind the curtain, see the other side of business, and I was so intrigued by business that I just went back and I got my, my business degree. And, um, I, I've just become fascinated with, with, uh, economic development and, and helping businesses hire people and help people and helping the community get better. So,
1: yeah, absolutely. Well, what is your favorite hobby? I'm
0: a pretty boring person, but, um, I think I'm, I like I like to read. I like to I like to, to watch movies. I don't like sports. I know. I don't know if I'm throwing in my man card with that, but um, I'm not a big sports guy. I like to I like to I love technology. I love following technology blogs and I love applying it. I'm a I feel like I'm a I like to create things. I'm a creator at heart and Um, If I see technology and I see an opportunity, I like to just create stuff. So that's that's what I like to do.
1: Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Nathan, for joining us today. You did a great job and shared so much wonderful information. So we really appreciate
0: it. Absolutely. Thank you uh, for having me. It's totally unexpected. I really appreciate it. Economic Development Secrets is brought to you by Impact Dashboard, the only impact software built for economic developers. For more information on this podcast or to listen to past episodes, check out www.impactdatasource.com.